Yo, thanks for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm 12 Kyle. Check it. On this podcast, we're going to take it back. We're going to take a look back at Jay-Z's second album, In My Lifetime, Volume 1, as this album turns 20 years old. Now, depending on who you ask, some say it's a great album, others say it's not so good. So we'll break that down. We'll also break down the tracks and Jay-Z as an MC, and I'll tell you why you should or shouldn't like this album. So sit back, relax, we'll drop the theme music, and we'll get the podcast jumping. Let's get it. Welcome back. As I mentioned at the top, we're talking about Jay-Z's second album, In My Lifetime, Volume 1. Now, this album dropped November 4th, 1997. Uh, As I say all the time, man, it's hard to believe that this album is turning 20 years old because I actually remember going to the store and copying this album. Um, I think one of the things that was, uh, you know, very key about this album that you you know, first have to begin to look at the landscape of what actually was going on in hip hop at the time that this album came out. Um, Earlier that year, 1997, obviously the hip hop community lost Biggie Smalls. And, you know, we found out much later that, you know, Jay-Z and Biggie had a very close relationship. Um, You know, so Jay-Z was dealing with the loss of a friend, if you will. Hip hop had also, you know, the previous year, uh, you know, lost the greatness of Tupac Shakur. So musically, you know, the genre was kind of like in a uh, holding pattern, if you will. Um, But one thing that was happening was uh, (laughs) Bad Boy was taking over the charts. Uh, Puff earlier that summer had dropped No Way Out. And, um, you know, with these 80s samples uh, he was definitely running the charts. Bad Boy was, you know, on top. Um, Death Row was still around, uh, still dropping hits. And so, you know, what we had was we had a situation where, you know, you had the <laughs> shiny suit era, if you will. And then you had Death Row. And then, you know, MCs had to kind of figure out where they were going to fit in musically. And, um, you know, lo and behold, Jay-Z is coming out with his second album. Uh, one of the great things about this album, or at least leading up to this album, was the anticipation of the album. Um, and this is where you'll see the difference if you look back in history, wherein Reasonable Doubt, Jay-Z's first album came out and nobody knew who the hell Jay-Z was. But by the time Volume 1 comes out, uh, Jay-Z is well-known, well-known in hip-hop and you know, he has an extreme buzz. So unlike Reasonable Doubt, which dropped to, you know, nationally to very little fanfare, uh, volume one was, uh, you know, very, very highly anticipated. One of the most highly anticipated albums of the year. So 
you know, 1997 found hip hop in a weird space, but nonetheless, very, really, very much so really anticipating this album. Um, so, you know, you had that going and then Jay-Z was really trying to solidify himself, not only as an MC, but as a businessman, because, you know, Jay's often said that, uh, you know, volume one wasn't supposed to happen. Uh, his only album was supposed to be Reasonable Doubt. and He was supposed to step to the back and, you know, kind of run Rockefeller with Dame Dash and uh, Kareem Biggs Burke. Uh, that didn't happen. Um, as we know, Jay-Z went on to release several albums after that. Um, but yeah, that's what was going on in 97. So this album comes out and again, it's very, very highly anticipated. Of course, this is the pre-internet era. So, you know, there was no, uh, there was somewhat of a rollout, but it wasn't like, you know, you had to, um, you know, you could download it on your phone. You had to do just like I did. You went to the record store, you bought it. And then, you know, if you didn't buy it, your man bought it and you copped the dub off of him and, you know, you just kind of took it from there. But, um, you know, uh, understanding what was going on in 1997, we were really, really anticipating this album. Um, and so the album comes out. It debuts at number three on the Billboard charge charts. So, again, far, far contrast from what happened with Reasonable Doubt, which, you know, when that debuted, I don't think, you know, it, it, it even made a dent in Billboard. Uh, nonetheless, this album goes on to go platinum. Um and so, you know, so it's a success. Uh, the critics loved it. I think uh, the source gave it four and a half mics. Uh, it, it was it was an album that, you know, was very much so critically acclaimed um, because Jay-Z rhymed just about it, about anything, any and everything in this album. But what he did was he really tried to set himself apart from the the quote unquote jiggy style, you know, that his bad boy counterparts were doing. Jay-Z really wanted to bring, you know, a street album, or at least that's what we thought Jay-Z was going to bring to us, a street album uh, when it dropped. Um, so who produced this album? Obviously produced, executive produced by uh, Jay-Z and uh, Dame Dash and Kareem Biggs Burke um, because it was on Rockefeller. Um, but it was also produced by uh, Ron Lawrence, Big Jazz, uh, Buck Wild, uh, Derek D. Angeletti, shout out to the Mad Rapper, um, Anthony Dent, Nasheem Myrick, Tone and Polk, uh, the legendary Tone and Polk, Teddy Riley actually produced a track from this album, uh, Ski, Stevie J, long before he was a re <laughs> reality, uh, reality, I guess you would call him a reality star, um, uh, David Prestige Vanderpool, and of course, Sean P. Diddy. Y'all can call him P. Diddy. I call him Puff. Puffy Combs. Um, so he had some heavy hitters as far as producers. Oh, and I cannot. How can I forget the legendary, uh, all-time one of the all-time greats, uh, DJ Premier is back on this album as well. So, you know, so he had some heavy hitters. Uh, there's no reason why you would think if you look at that lineup of people. Um, that this album would not be great. Um, so production wise, I'm, I'm just kind of running you through how this thing worked. When you looked at the track listing, you're like, okay, Jay-Z's back. He's got these heavy hitters as far as this production team. This album is going to be a smash, right? Mm, depends on who you ask. <laughs> um, so let's jump into the tracks. 
uh, this album starts off uh, with the intro slash a mean and one questions rhyme no more uh, produced by Premier. Crazy, crazy beat. Um, Jay Z really starts this album off the right way. I mean, just spitting bars, and he really, really comes hard at it. And you know, it's a typical uh, '90s intro, uh, if you will, to your album. Uh, then the second track, uh, the second track, "The City Is Mine," uh, featuring Blackstreet, uh, R&B group Blackstreet. Uh, obviously, this is produced by Teddy Riley, who at the time was a member of Blackstreet. Um, this one was, I guess, a little different because uh, this was a really sh- a real good shot at radio, if you will. Um, and I'll get into the fanfare as far as how people reacted to some of these songs in just a second. Um, so you come back with that, uh, which was the uh, that was a Glenn Fry song, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you belong to the city. That's what they uh, sampled it from. Um, a lot of samples on this album as well. Uh, then you go to track three. Uh, I know what girls like, um, which was another sample um, produced by Puffy. Uh, Lil Kim was on this joint as well. Um, uh, <laughs> I didn't like this song at all. Uh, in fact, I hate this song. Uh, I really, really hate this song with a passion. This song is trash. Uh, nonetheless, you know, it, it's track number three. Um, then you kind of bring it back. They slow it down. Imaginary player, uh, produced by Prestige. This this joint is so sweet. One of the, one of my favorite tracks on the album. Um. You know, the, the dope part at the end, you know, what's the difference between a 4.0 and a 4.6? You know, that's that's my joint. Um, one of the favorite tracks on the album, obviously, another sample from uh, uh, Angela and Renee. Um, and um, yeah, I love this. I love this track. Love this track. Uh, then you go to track five. You got uh, Streets is Watching. Um, <sighs> Ski Lace the Beat. Uh, Jay-Z is back to on his <laughs> rapidy raps, if you will. And um, I think this is, you know, this is what this song in particular, if you're listening to the album, um, by this time, this album starts, this song makes it feel like Reasonable Doubt. Like, so it's, it's street rhymes and it's, you know, a gritty, grimy beat and Jay-Z is, you know, rapping his ass off. Um then you go to uh, track six. Uh, premieres back with "Friend or Foe '98." Um, another hard banger. Only the only knock on this song is that this song is only two minutes long. So, uh, but Jay Z, you know, telling stories and, uh, and and it's a dope song. I love it. Uh, then you go to track seven, "Lucky Me." This was produced by Stevie J and Buck Wild. Um, I actually love this song. Uh, you have a young lady singing on the hook. Um, what she's singing is, you know, you only know what you see. You don't understand what it takes to be me. And in this song, Jay-Z's very introspective. He's talking about dealing with the uh, price of fame, if you will, and dealing with his celebrity. And I think this is a song that you really get a chance to see how Jay-Z dealt with um his rise, I guess, if you will, and his success from reasonable doubt. Uh, he went from someone who could not 
uh, secure a record deal to someone who is, you know, watched and, and checked out and, and, and people were like hanging on his every word. And, and he's now he's a star, if you will. Uh, and, and again, this is in the pre-internet era where, you know, becoming a star wasn't necessarily easy to do. It wasn't about how many Instagram followers you had, but I digress. <laughs> um, so, yeah, man, Lucky Me is a song that I, I, I really love uh, because, again, it, it gives you the introspective side of Jay-Z. Um, and I'll get back to that in just a second. Um, then we go to track eight. Uh, Always Be My Sunshine. Babyface and Foxy Brown on the track. Um, this song and Always Be My Sunshine is produced by Prestige. Uh, and of course, the sample Babyface track. Um, this song is a lot, I guess, if you ask a lot of people when they talk about this album, they always point to this song and they talk about the video. And you know, for someone who was as uh, you know, hardcore, if you will, or grimy as Jay Z was on Reasonable Doubt, even his most radio friendly track, you know, was Ain't No Nigga. You know, I mean, it had the word nigga in it, so it wasn't like you know, <laughs> it wasn't like it was that you, you know, you had to have an edit for it. Um, but even on Reasonable Doubt, it didn't feel like Jay Z was reaching for the charts. This track here showed that he was clearly reaching for the charts and he was, you know, when the, by the time the video dropped, it looked like he was trying to get in on the bad boy shiny suit era run, if you will. Um, the video produced by Hype Williams, you know, featured all of these colors. And, you know, if you haven't seen a video, or haven't seen it in a while. Uh, when you finish listening to the podcast, go to YouTube and pull it up. Um, it's a very colorful video, if you will. Uh, I'll say this, and I think this is one thing that people forget about this song, is that in 97, 98, people loved this song until they saw the video. I, I, I won't say everybody. A lot of people loved this song until they saw the video. The video actually killed it for the song. And I think that's one thing that gets lost when you talk about this album is that People really were checking for this song, or at least the, let me rephrase that. A lot of people that I know and people that I've talked to were checking for this song until the video dropped. But the video publicly actually killed it for the song because the video did not help at all. <laughs> so then you move to track nine, uh, Who You With, uh, which was featured on the Sprung soundtrack as well. Um, produced by Ski. Uh, dope, dope joint. Um jay-z again and this one had a video for it and uh you know along with the pimp theme uh was very very cool very cold i like it i wanted one another favorite track on, on the album um then you go to track 10 face off featuring sauce money uh produced by tone and poke um i love this one man I, i'm i'm still really not sure why how or why sauce money never ended up on rockefeller maybe somebody could tell me um but yeah man sauce money i think sauce money and jay-z going back and forth just like they did on reasonable doubt it was really really great to see him on it so even when you went from the from track eight to the you know you know kind of smoothing it out kind of r&b type sound you're back to this quote-unquote reasonable doubt sound i think the fans wanted with sauce money um then you bring in too short uh for track 11 real niggas um 
and I think this song was was a good song and it was very key because not only was it uh, you know Jay-Z and Too Short but it was also you know kind of bridging the gap as far as uh, East and West by that time we had already heard and known and about this so-called quote-unquote East Coast West Coast beef if you will and um, you know it, it was I thought it was a good look to bring Too Short and Jay-Z and kind of you know show people that hey you know we're not beefing with them they're not beefing with us it's all good so forth and so on um then we go to track 12 uh rap game slash crack game um i love this track man um the sample was really really dope it was produced by jazz which was <laughs> crazy in and of itself because we know that jazz and jay-z fell out um and jay and jazz was the one that put jay-z on but they used the uh Nas and um, Nas sample and the uh, Outcast sample, uh, but Jay Z man bars. He gives you bars in this one. Um, then you go to track thirteen, where I'm from. Uh, now for me, this is my favorite track on the album. I think it's the best track on the album. Uh, this is just in my personal top five Jay Z songs. Not saying that this is just my. You know what? My fit of my favorite Jay Z songs. This is in the top five. Uh, where I'm from, man, it goes so hard. Produced by Derek D. D. Angeletti um, and uh, Ron Lawrence. Um, man, I love this joint, man. The video was cold. Uh, Jay Z. I mean, he he spit the line. Who's the best MC, Biggie, Jay Z, or Nas? And I mean that you know eventually <laughs> would start the beef with he and Nas. Um, but yeah, man, go. Go listen to that track. That track is so cold, man. I never get tired of listening to it again. It's my favorite track on the album. Um, and then the track closes with uh, You Must Love Me, um, a song by uh, produced by uh, Myrick. Um, so on this one, You Must Love Me, Nasheen Myrick, I'm sorry, uh, produced it. You Must Love Me is a song, I think, that is... And I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's Kelly Price on the hook. Um, very, very introspective. Uh, Jay-Z talks about his life. He talks about, you know, things that happened to him growing up. Uh, he talks about, he gives you a story about, you know, a girlfriend who, you know, he, he needed to make a run out of town to, to deliver some drugs and he couldn't do it and his girlfriend volunteered to go and she strapped the drugs to her body. I mean, it is a very, very deep song, very personal. Um, in the song, he talks about the incident that he had where he shot his older brother in the shoulder um, because, you know, his older brother, he had words with his older brother. And, um, you know, and to this day, we have not heard Jay-Z talk publicly about that song or that incident in fact i've even heard him in interviews uh when it when it was brought up i've actually heard jay-z decline to comment on the song so yeah um but uh but yeah it, it's uh it, it's a very introspective song and the thing that i love about this song as well as you must love me is that on both songs jay-z gives you 
you know, a very introspective Jay-Z and, and it's to how he thinks and, and his de- he, he opens up, if you will. And I don't think we got a chance to see that side on a lot of his records, which really kind of bugged me out when I heard people talk about uh, the 444 album. They talk about how introspective he was as if Jay-Z had never been introspective on any of his songs. Well, this is his second album. He really, really goes deep in, in uh, You Must Love Me and Lucky Me. And I think if you're a fan of Jay-Z, you remember those songs. So when people made those you know, statements about the 444 album, you're like, huh, what? What do you mean? <laughs> so nonetheless, man, track wise, it, it was uh, it was really, really dope. Um, I tell you what, let's take a quick commercial. We'll hear from Jay-Z. And uh, on the other side, I'll tell you why you should or shouldn't like this album. Uh, sit tight. We'll be back in a second. So it took a while, but when I really started getting serious, my first album came out in 96. Then it was like, and I had to put the album out myself. Nobody would sign me. They thought I was terrible. Every wow. single record, I went to every single record label. They was like, this guy is terrible. He's nothing. This just goes to show you how far the A&R was off. Like, it was these guys and... They used to go to Bentleys and had electric blue shirts on and ah, you know about hip hop and what do you what do you know about? What are you talking about? Yeah, the egg and the nest and the whole everything just wasn't representative representative of hip hop. So So you played out your own album. Yep. I I mean like it went from singles, like I would press up singles, put it in the car, I had to go to the record company, I mean go to the record stores myself and here, take this. Come back, get $100, $200, give them some more records. I mean, it was really, it really started like that. Like, wow. I mean, but it made me appreciate it so much more. No one gave me anything. They didn't give me a record deal. They didn't, they didn't give me anything. Like, I, I really, I really just took my time and grew it step by step by step by step. And just like that, we are back. As I mentioned at the top, we're talking about Jay-Z's second album, In My Lifetime, Volume 1. This album turns 20. We're breaking it down here on the 12 Kyle podcast. Of course, I'm your boy, 12 Kyle. Um, As I mentioned before the break, I told you, you know, I tell you whether or not you should or shouldn't like this album. This album really, if you ask Jay-Z fans, a cross section of Jay-Z fans, uh, you'll hear a lot of people say that they don't like this album. And I actually understand why they don't like this album. For, for a lot of them, uh, this album came, you know, as a surprise. But this album fell short of expectations because of, you know, it followed reasonable doubt. I mean, let's just keep it 100. It, it's hard to follow reasonable doubt. And... But again, Reasonable Doubt was not heralded as and, and widely loved and accepted it as it is now, as it was in 1997. So, you know, you have to kind of take that with a caveat. But one of the reasons why people don't like this album is that when the album, when we got wind that the album was dropping, the first single that was released was the aforementioned Always Be My Sunshine that's your first single so it looked like they were really really trying to go for the charts uh and then the video dropped and as i mentioned um i think (laughs) really when the video dropped that kind of killed it uh 
and then you come back the second single that was released was uh the city is mine uh, teddy riley produced city is mine which had a pretty cool video with the kaiser so say usual suspects theme in it check that video out too um and then i think the third single that was released was uh who you with um so you know they didn't really on this album they didn't really have you know the signature that the songs that were pushed if you will weren't the signature you know boom bap or you know jay-z on his rapidy rap shit you know <laughs> so i understand why uh you know people fans in particular didn't particularly care for this album um i also understand too that you know it's hard to follow up reasonable doubt i think that's the biggest thing that people don't really understand is that uh reasonable doubt is hard to follow and i remember hearing jay-z in an interview many years ago say that you know this was his worst album uh he said that you know and i'm paraphrasing here this was his worst album he was coming off the the the, you know big dying and um he said he felt like he rushed the album uh I will beg to differ with Jay-Z because uh, subsequently Jay-Z would release some, you know, some really trashy albums. Uh, (laughs) And he has. Uh, And if you haven't checked out, I did a podcast on where I rank Jay-Z. Some of the Jay, well, I rank Jay-Z's discography. And, you know, to be honest, this particular album is ranked very high. In fact, it's ranked higher than most people will rank this album. Um, So I understand why people didn't like this album uh i'm here to tell you that i think you should like this album this album with the exception of a couple of songs is a cold ass album um as i mentioned at the top i know what girls like skip i hate that song that song is awful i mean i don't know what they were trying to do i don't know and puff produced it so that makes it even worse um (laughs) But um, Puff and Lil' Kim on it, man, it's just, the song is trash. Like, I'll never listen to that song again. When I listen to this album, I always skip that song. Um, You know, I can understand why people necessarily didn't warm up to The City Is Mine. Uh, that song is cool for me, uh, but I know some people that don't like it. Uh, and then the Always Be My Sunshine, of course, again, it's not... It's just really not what ha- what's happening. Um, you know, it was a reach, and and I'm pretty sure Jay and Babyface will admit that it's a reach. Um, but other than those two songs, and I'm not even going to include "City Is Mine." I'm going to say "City Is Mine" probably. You know, it's a push. But other than "Sunshine" and you know, I know what girls like. This is a cold ass album. This album flows. This album is dope. It's got lyrics. It's got beats it's got introspection it's got storytelling it's got bars it's got everything that you want this album like i said the 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 downside to this album is that it followed up reasonable doubt if this album had come out first and reasonable doubt was jay-z's second album people would feel a lot different about it and i understand and i get it why people don't like this album some people don't like i can't say say all some people don't like this album um when I did my uh, my my ranking of the discography, uh, I had this album at six of all time as far as Jay Z's albums. So I feel very highly about this album. I absolutely love this album. I play it all the time. Uh, it never gets old, man. I would love to see going forward. Obviously, if Jay Z continues to rhyme, I would like to see him hook back up with Primo even more because you know we got a couple of tracks from Primo on this one. Um, 
and then subsequently on Jay-Z's, you know, subsequent albums, you know, his work with Primo, you know, declined. Um, same with Ski. Uh, and, and I think, you know, those are guys who actually, you know, bought some magic out of Jay-Z. Uh, for whatever reason, I don't know why they're not, you know, working or collaborating anymore. Um, but this is a cold-ass album, man. You go back and look at the the uh, what the critics say. Again, I mentioned Four and a Half Mics in the Source, USA Today gave it four stars. Um, you know, a lot of musical publications love this album. Um, fans, if you go back to 1997, fans, for the most part, like this album. I thought it was a dope-ass album. Again, two songs, maybe three songs you could remove. Um, but again, a cold-ass album, man. I, if I had to give it mics, giving it a four. I'm giving it a four. Four mics for this album. This is a dope-ass album. Uh, if you haven't listened to it, uh, you know, take a listen and, you know, tell me what you think. Uh, make sure that you leave a comment on SoundCloud or Stitcher. Uh, I don't think you can leave a comment on Apple Tunes, but uh, Apple Podcasts. But, um, but yeah, man, um, there it is. Jay-Z's second album in my lifetime, Volume 1. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the latest 12 Kyle podcast. I'm 12 Kyle. I'll catch you guys next time. 5,000. Uh-huh. Shout out to my man Don P from Long Island. No more reasonable doubt. I'm proving to be the MC. Something's wrong with your motor skills because y'all ain't moving me. I'm who you see musically when you want it done high. Paying you to me is a lesson in futility style. I paint pictures beautifully, but niggas is nearsighted. Uh-huh. Don't worry about plagiarism, it'll take them years to bite it. With your greatest fears, I don't write it, it just appears. Out of nowhere, like the information obtained by psychic. Like uh-huh. it or not, I pay dues and expect to be paid back. Why the fuck should I be sad? I'm getting paid to rap. I slay the track, laid back, almost till it's a sin. Tell your guard somebody's doing a good job, impersonate him. Jehovah, spitting game from the Range Rover. The fuck y'all doing in third lane? Get over, slow your road up. I got it sold up like a teller. Relatively easy like jerry hella cream is cherry vanilla got chicks in the telly belly up sounding like mahalia trying to tell y'all y'all know the style burn the town down and change the locale i'm doing the same shit